0: Welcome to the Thinking Big podcast. Today, we get a talk with Brendan from Master Talks, and we are going to go over talking about tips and tricks to help us understand and help us in our public speaking, going live, and really just connecting with our audience. Brendan has one unique goal, and that is to help you overcome your public speaking fears so you can use your voice to better communicate your ideas to the world. And today we're going to discuss tips and tricks that will 10x your communication skills. We're going to talk about the understanding of how communications is everything that we do, understanding that the pros have done this a thousand times, so not to beat yourself up if you are just starting out, and the three biggest tips for your Facebook Lives or any other presentations that you're going to do. So today we are thinking big into our communication skills. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering
1: our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact
0: on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. I wanna welcome Brendan to the the show today. Uh, He's actually the host of Master Talk on YouTube and it is a fantastic YouTube channel on public speaking and I know I'm like a lot of people out there, public speaking is probably one of the hardest things for people to do. Uh, Most people would, would literally rather die did get up and, and do public speaking. <laughs> I mean, I, I I remember the first time I had to uh, get up and do public speaking and, and not not in a corporate environment. I'm okay in a corporate environment and, in, you know, in, in conference rooms and stuff like that. But actual public speaking, I was so terrified that I could not stop shaking. And it's one of those things. And, and one of my mentors actually had told me a long time ago that the person at the front of the room with the marker is the one making the money. And what he meant by that is, the person that's up there at the front doing the speaking is the one that has the influence on the people uh, within the room. So again, I, I absolutely want to welcome you, Brendan, to the show, and tell us a little bit about you know Master Talk and kind of what how you got started in in doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Sean. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I have a YouTube channel called Master Talk where I help people with their communication skills. And how I got started was when I was in university. I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age are playing football or soccer, some other sport. I channeled that competitive spirit to presentations. So for three years, I presented hundreds of times, coached dozens of people on their communication skill. So when I graduated and I got a job in corporate America, I guess in my case, corporate Canada, since I'm based in Canada. I, I kind of just asked myself a simple question, which was, "How do I make a difference in the world?" And that's when the idea for the YouTube channel came to be, because I realized a lot of the communication information out there was really bad. You know, you hear advice like, "Oh, Sean, you should like be yourself," and I just went, "What are you supposed to do with this advice?" So I started <laughs> uh, making videos in my mother's basement. One thing led to another, and the rest is history.
0: Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and so. Did you see when you were in college, I mean, what gave you that idea? I mean, did you see people actually struggling with trying to get up and doing, uh, to do public speaking presentations? Uh, You know, what kind of, where did you see that and and click in your mind saying, hey, I can actually help people uh, live better. I can help people do this and have them, you know, actually be more fulfilled and and really more successful. To me, you cannot be successful in a corporate environment and in much of any environment if you can't, communicate and you can't get up, you can't speak, you just can't be very successful. I, I don't think. I mean, to me, it's to me, it's one of the core values that I wish they taught heavily in school, which they don't.
1: Yeah. And I, and I completely agree with you on that one for sure. You know, the way that I think about this, Sean, is when I started doing these competitions, I'll so just to give you an idea, the tie in with the corporate world, is what a case competition is essentially, is a business gives you a problem and you have three hours to solve it and present a solution to a board of executives. So people do that for fun in university. It's kind of an odd thing. And there's this weird international competitions where people fly out from 19 countries around the world to, to give these types of presentations. It's really bizarre. And it was the best three years of my life also. But to build on that, uh, think of me as the in-house speech coach for that competition. So when I competed the first year, I wasn't really good, obviously. You know, I was kind of trying to figure out how to do this. But I entered the second year, much like sports, you start to take a more mature, more mentorship role as you get older within an organization, as new fresh individuals start entering the program. In this case, it was a presentation program. So I started coaching those people. And then over time in those three years, I was the speech coach for pretty much everyone who was new to the program. And as I was nearing graduation, I was getting started to work as a technology consultant and jump into the corporate world. I kept noticing a consistent theme out of all of the students I coach. I probably coached maybe 50 people in three years. And the consistent threat, theme, but rather question they kept asking me that I never had a good answer myself was how did you learn how to speak? And I kind of just said, well, uh, I, I just learned. I, I'm self-taught you know, I've done hundreds of presentations. But because they kept asking me, I sort of wondered what resources actually exist out there? It seems like people like to look this up and, and watch it. So I started watching a lot of my competitors' YouTube channels who had PhDs in the subject, who were who had decades of experience, and I just kept vomiting in my mouth, to be honest. It was too academic, <laughs> wasn't practical, and for the younger demographic, it was useless because they couldn't understand the complex lingo. So I got so frustrated that I started making videos in, in my basement with no budget and with the phone, and then a year later, I ended up coaching a lot of executives and developing a practice out of it as well. Uh,
0: see, and, and I actually... Uh, absolutely love stories like that where people get into business and they, or they get into doing something that they love. They don't know how they're going to do it. They don't have all the technology. They don't have all the stuff figured out. They don't have a, but you wanted to help and you found a way to help and you got better by, by doing that. Cause I mean, obviously your stuff is extremely professional, definitely not done in the basement and, and definitely not done. And <laughs> you know, so so you've grown from there, but if people don't start somewhere, we never we never get off the ground we never do it so just going out i love that because just going out and doing it gets you get you better now one question so how do you think the difference between like you know presenting live and presenting in front of a camera you know the, the difference in that especially now with you know with what's going on in the world and you know people are having to obviously social distance and there's not a lot of big live events and there's not a lot of big you know public speaking things i actually find it harder to sit in front of a camera to do a presentation to do something than i do in real life so when i'm in when i'm on a stage and I'm i'm talking with people I can feel the room, I can feel the energy, you know, you, you, it's either you do it or you don't. I mean, there's no going back, you're up there, you're live. When I'm in front of a camera, I get absolutely frightened to even start to, to push the play or push, uh, push the record. So what, what do you see the difference in, you know, difference between live virtual and live in, in, in real person?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say the biggest difference in the two, Sean, is. In the online world, you can't gauge your audience's reaction. So what does this mean? Let's say I was in person, I was giving you and your company, your family, a workshop on communication, and I say a joke. Two things will happen in that instance. One is you'll laugh at the joke. I'll say, wow, Brennan's such a funny guy. Where number two, which is much more likely, you look at me and say, wow, this person should really not be seeing any jokes. But either way, I can gauge your reaction in real time and adapt my presentation as my presentation goes on. I don't have that luxury in the online world. Because if you're on a Zoom call with all the cameras off, if you're presenting on camera and there's nobody there, it's much harder for you to gauge how your audience is reacting, especially when they're not in the room. So how are you supposed to navigate in those types of situations? So a couple of easy tips I always like to give out. One, always keep your eyes on the lens of the camera. So one way I do that is I take a picture of a favorite food or a favorite person that I like, and that always forces me to look at the lens in that way. It's a good artificial trick you can implement. Second one is get on a phone call with one of the people that will be sitting in that Zoom call. So we have a feeling of who's going to be there, what their needs and expectations are, what do they aspire to be? And you can always picture that person. So it's a lot easier for you to present energetically for them, even if you don't see them on the other side. Number three is always assume good intentions from your audience, whether it's in person or online. This is a lot more important than it seems, but it's not something you'll get overnight. So for example, with me, when I started doing podcasts, myself as a guest, it was really bizarre. You know, essentially what a podcast is, is a stranger you don't know, asks you a bunch of questions about your life, does an unhealthy amount of research on you. And you have to answer as if you know that person. So when I started, it was very frightening for me. But when you get into those off-show off, uh, off show discussions with the hosts after, you realize that they're really just doing this to benefit their communities, and everyone's just a really nice person. So my perception of my the host that ended, I ended up speaking to And this analogy applies for any presentation that you do in the virtual space or really anything at all transitions very quickly from who's the sean guy to wow i really love what sean's doing with the thinking big podcast he's really helping his communities think bigger and achieve greater goals so i'm going to assume as if i've known him for five years and speak to him in that way it's not something you get overnight but over time that belief becomes true
0: and that takes a lot of time to develop now one of the things that i actually do like right now i actually use a teleprompter but not for words. I actually have you in front of the teleprompter. So I'm actually looking right at you and you're actually right behind, you're right in front of the camera. That's the only way that I can truly connect with the people that I'm talking to, because I had it before where I had the camera above the, you know, above the, the monitor and you always look up, you, you can't, it just was unnatural. I, I, I'm the type of person that I actually have to look at someone you know, in the eyes when I'm talking to them to, you know, what you said, that's how you read how people are, are taking in what you're doing. That's how you read how they, you know, how they're interpreting what you're, what you're saying. But I personally, I have to do that. I I can't, I hate it. So I do some podcasts, matter of fact, where it's just audio only and it's just dry. It's, It's absolutely dry. I know the people that listen to the podcast are only listening to it but I get so much more out of the conversation when I can see the other person, when I can see you. You know, Brandon, we're sitting here looking at each other, you know, eye to eye, even though we're not in the same room. And I think that is very powerful for really any type of communication, especially public speaking. But I I see that that's gonna be a huge, or that is a huge problem for people that are trying to do video. I don't know why I'm so scared, why I get more scared in front of a video camera than in front of an audience. I guess I, maybe I, I used to be afraid in front of an audience, and maybe I've just you know grown and I get used to it. Uh, but I'm terrified in front of cameras. I don't know. I try, try tricks. I try doing different things, but uh, getting used to and going live. So I, to me, I, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts on how you go live on things like Facebook and things like you know YouTube and stuff because. It's one thing to sit there and record something 20 times until you think it's it's good and then you post it but going live that that I was man I'll tell you it, it, the first time I went live I was scared to death
1: I don't do a lot of live presentations I do mostly speaking engagements that are live uh, online but I definitely understand where you're coming from and happy to talk about the differences between camera and live because I get it And I would say the big difference there, Sean, is for actually. Let me give you an easy win here. For the camera, there's actually an easy trick to present. This is a trick I use. I actually never record any of my videos alone. There's there's a guy there's yeah there's a guy behind the camera.
0: Oh wow! See now that is a great that is a fantastic tip. So you actually have someone there that uh, you're actually talking with.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's a, that's a great tip. Yeah,
1: and don't get me wrong, by the way, the first year, it was just me, one-man show. had no budget for anything. I was just a broke student. So, you know, this is before my production and my business ramped up. But when I started, yeah, it was just me and the camera. I hated my life. It was so bad. You know, I didn't like the video-making process. I couldn't talk to anybody. I was speaking to nobody. I just couldn't show up. But I still tried my best, and I did all right my first year. But when I brought Danny, my best friend, to do all my production, and I just gave him a chunk of my salary to do all that. Oh, it just became so much more enjoyable. So, so we'd have dinner after and lunch. You know, so it'd just be fun. A lot more relationship building. So, so that's that's my recommendation. Obviously, you don't need to have a professional person doing this. You could have a friend, a wife, a husband, a, you know, family member, just do that for you. So that that would be one thing. Yeah, go ahead.
0: So what? Uh, so what are Someone that's wanting to either get into public speaking, or they're needing to get into public speaking with either, you know, their job. You know, you, I know you do coaching for for corporate people too. But what do you? What are some of the best ways to start getting into being able to do public speaking? From a, I think from a personal development standpoint, or or not from not from the technical side of oh, you need to contact an agency to get you know on stages and stuff. From a personal development standpoint, what are the best things for someone to? start to get the ability or, or to get the, the skill set to to doing public speaking? What are the best ways to start?
1: Yeah, let's let's go into two directions here. So one for people who don't want to be keynote speakers and for the others who do. So those who don't want to be keynote speakers, this is my pitch to you. My pitch is understand that communication is everything that you do. It's not just about presentations. It's every interaction that you have the people around you, the tough conversations you have with your family, the dinner conversation you have with your friends, the tip that you give the delivery guy when he comes and gives you pizza. Every interaction is all about communication. And once you realize that, the only question left to answer is the following. How would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? How would the world be different If you were top 1% speaker, that answer is going to be different for everybody. For some, it's about having this big YouTube channel and for others, it's just spending more time with their family and understanding how to interact with them in a more healthier way. Find that why and find that reason. You'll be able to to find communication, work on in a way that's that's comfortable for you. That's one side. Other side is you want to go pro. That's a totally different conversation. If you want to go pro the the big piece of advice i have for you is understand that professionals present the same presentation hundreds of times tony robbins has been doing the same seminar for 40 years 40 years same seminar unleash the power within 3-day workshop you walk on fire he yells at you the first day it's always the same thing repeat 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 so if your goal is to be a pro you need to figure out one topic that you want to be a grandmaster at so the topic i ended up choosing for my life that i'm still trying to do well at obviously i'm very far away from tony but i'm getting there is communication right i want to be i want to be the number one person in that space so for you, what is that thing? Focus and dial in on that one talk, master it and then you'll, you can get paid to speak and be a pro.
0: So how do you think so for me communic- or, or you know communication is really about I don't know connecting. How do you, how do you go about making sure that when you're communicating with someone when you're talking with someone because a lot of people sit there and talk, but not a lot of people actually connect. I mean, that's not something, I mean, how, how do you go about making sure when you're talking with someone that, that you're actually connecting with them?
1: Yeah, once again, I have, a, I have a pro hack here, solving the symptom versus the issue. I, I think most people, most humans struggle with this idea of how do I connect with everybody? Because it can be exhausting to listen to people you don't actually particularly like. So so my advice, because that's more for advanced people, uh, I would say that the, the chapter one is to find your tribe and connect with them first because those are the people that you're more inclined to to have a relationship with to to have the same interests as them and you'll also be more inclined to ask them the questions you actually want to have answers to and listen to them so for me just to, you don't use me as an example here but i'm just using it just to demonstrate i love personal development conferences tony robbins seminars mind valley events lewis Howe's events just like places where people wanna get better. So the, the community there, I usually gel with pretty much anyone there in the room. I just get up, talk to anybody, and I immediately like them because we all have the same values. So it's all about picking the right events. But that analogy applies for anybody. If you're somebody who Loves collecting buttons for some random reason. I highly encourage you to go to a button meetup, talk about the different buttons you're collecting. It's a lot easier for you to interact with those people and start conversations. And that's really how you'll get rid of your social anxiety and get comfortable talking to people you have zero interests in common with. So,
0: I mean, it's like you have to be comfortable just communicating and talking with the people around you, let alone up on stage, because that's just a whole different level of, of sitting there. That's a great tip that Really connecting with the people, you know, people in the audience, uh, caring about the people who you're with before you can really get up and, and talk to them. What uh, what are some of the best tips, like what do you do, how, how do you prepare? Like if you're going to get up and you're going to do a presentation or you're going to do a talk, you know, how do you prepare for that? Now, I understand if you're a pro, you've done this, you know, thousands of times, it's the same thing. But if you're fresh and you're just getting started, what are, what are some of the things that we can do to help that first time or, or help get up? You know, what are, How do you prep for, for a talk or, or a presentation?
1: Yep, absolutely. So here's, if you do this one technique we're about to share, it you will know, 10 extra communication skills overnight, especially if you want to be a keynoter. And the technique is called the puzzle method, Sean. Public speaking is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those thousand-piece puzzles in a box you kind of put together like a puzzle piece. So if I asked you, Sean, let's say you're working on this puzzle with your family or something, which pieces would you start with first, and why?
0: So I mean, I would start with the edges,
1: right? And <laughs>
0: because that's the <laughs> that's that's the easiest thing to to find,
1: exactly, right? And you're absolutely right. It's not it's not a trick question, right? You you do the edges first; they're easy. You work your way in the middle. So the question we need to ask ourselves is why don't we do that in public speaking? We have a presentation in the boardroom, in the classroom, in the conference room. So what do we do? We start with the middle. We shove a bunch of content. Shove, 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 shove. Then we get to the presentation. We ramble, 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 ramble. We get to the last slide and then it sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, uh, Thanks. That's probably (laughs) 95% of the presentations I hear.
0: But there's
1: an easy way to fix this. And the way you fix this is treat your presentations like a jigsaw puzzle. Start with the edges first. Practice your introduction 50 times, not three times, not five times. Do it 50 times. It's actually not that hard. Your introduction's a minute. It'll take you an hour. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? last time I checked, terrible movie, 50 times the conclusion. In only two hours of practice you'll transform your keynote and look at your presentation and go, "Wow, I can never introduce like that before. The way that I conclude in this this speech is so marvelous then tackle the middle. And then when you tackle the middle, two simple questions. we're keeping it very simple today. The first question is, what's your key idea? If you were to summarize your entire presentation in one sentence, what would that sentence be? Or better, if you were to summarize your life's work in one sentence, what would that sentence be? And then the second part, which you'll spend the rest of your time working on, is what is the best way of defending that key idea? Is it a quote? Is it an analogy? You won't get it the first time, but as you continuously test and do it hundreds of times, dozens of times, or even just a couple of times, you'll have a pretty solid keynote just with that framework.
0: Man, that is some, I'm telling you, that is a, Fantastic tip. D- d- when I do presentation stuff, that, that alone will help so many people. I, so I'm trying to pay attention to the camera, I'm trying to look at you, but I'm trying to write stuff down too. <laughs> I, I'm taking notes right now, I'm taking massive notes. So what do you, now one of my problems that, that I'd run into when I do uh, when I do public speaking, especially if I'm not prepared enough, is I'm always afraid that I'm going to forget stuff, so I will like if I'm doing a presentation for you know a company, I'll just have a, a presentation of, of slides full of you know 20 bullet points for each you know each slide, and it's just like communication overload. But I, I'm afraid that I'm going to forget stuff, so that's why I always want it on the on the the slides, and that to me just makes for such a boring, blah presentation or speaking event that, you know, what do you, what, so what do you do? Do you use a lot of, uh, like, props uh, for speaking, like, a, you know, presentation type stuff in the background? Or what? what is your preferred method to, I don't want to say, like, map out your talk? Like how, how do you map out, like, if you've got a 15-minute talk or a 20-minute talk, how, what what type of tips do you have for, like, in your mind mapping out where you're going through the, through the story?
1: Right. So the way that I think about this, because every expert is going to give you a different opinion here. I usually don't like to prescribe. And the reason I don't is because every speaker is very different with the way that they think about it. You know, like Joseph Campbell would talk about the hero's journey. Donald Miller would talk about that journey and how that hero moves across. Nancy's got her own thing. For, for me, the big thing is I don't, I'm not a big fan of frameworks. For me, the big thing is if you want to be a master communicator, you need to fail a couple of times. What does that mean? That means as you're presenting, you need to constantly have dinner with your audience. And I'm very big on the dinners, like connecting personally with the people that you're seeking to serve to understand if the ideas are actually landing. And I'll give you a personal example. So when I started MasterTalk, I was very insecure, not because of my skill, but because of how young I was. I was coaching executives double my age when I was probably 22 or 23. So it was very intimidating for me. So in order to compensate for the insecurity, I used to just gloat about my clients at the beginning to be, to be shown as credible. And I used to say, oh yeah, I worked for this client, did the CEO thing, you know? And then a, a six year old asked me the best question I think I've gotten in my career. And the question was, what's a CEO? And I said, ah, oh, yeah, you're right. What is a CEO? It's a good point. And I realized from, from her question that nobody really cares about your credentials. They only care about the value. If you deliver your value with confidence, people don't care how old you are, the right people anyways. So from that experience, I changed my tune from just talking about my clients. I left all of that out of the conversation and I replaced it with the personal story about how I used to struggle with communication because I grew up in a city called Montreal and in Montreal, you need to know how to speak French. So I, I went to a French school. So my whole life, I presented a language I didn't even know it. So if I could master communication, anyone can, because that method of presenting was better at defending my key idea, which is convincing anyone that they can master communication in a purely authentic way. But I didn't get that the first time. I got that the 25th time after the six-year-old kind of got me in with the right feedback. So you have to understand that it's an iterative process in how you tell your stories, but eventually, once you've done it enough times, you can, you can jump up keynotes out of thin air
0: and one of the things that i notice people especially newer in doing talks is they will if they've got a 10 minute talk or a 15 minute talk they will spend 90% of it on i know the the technical the data the the stuff and very little time on the story and that to me that's so that was a hard lesson learned that people learn people want to know based on stories it's all about the story of and and how you can intertwine i guess the story with what you're trying to teach but sitting there for 15 minutes just giving them fact after fact after fact is just and i see I, the thing is i see so many people do it and it's to me it's all about the story and all about the storytelling and and how to me the, the best speakers are the best storytellers it's it, that's just for, for me at least that's 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 how I learn. and I, I actually pay attention much more to people if they're telling stories obviously than not uh, than just trying to shove facts down my you know down my throat of, of whatever they're trying to trying to teach.
1: And I agree, right? I, I think a good way of thinking about this the whole content versus delivery thing, I want you all to think about your high school presentations and your high school teachers how much do we actually remember from high school? I don't know about you, but uh, I don't remember much. But why is that? I mean, the content's so good. The teachers are so educational. You know, they're very well educated. They have master degrees. So what's the problem, right? But the opposite is also true. When you think about your favorite speakers in the world, it could be Tony, it could be Brené Brown, it could be anyone you put your finger on. And you ask somebody in the crowd, you go, you know, Tommy, what is it about this speaker that got you excited tommy's gonna look at us and go you know it was i'm not sure Brent. it was just the way that he made me feel or she made me feel it was well what's the lesson then tommy what did you learn from this speech oh i learned that i could do anything i want so even the best speakers in the world you don't remember much either you only remember right. one or two key ideas but it's those one or two key ideas that changes your life which is still important but the lesson is the following: Provided your key idea is solid, you need to spend ninety nine percent of your time on delivery to make sure that key idea lands.
0: Yeah, and that so one of the things that that uh, you know I've been taught, and not from a speaking standpoint, just from a communication standpoint with your with your tribe and with your uh, with the people that you know you communicate with, is people need to hear you know things five, six, seven times before they actually get it. Now when you're doing a, when you're doing a talk, do you actually go kind of uh, you know what you're saying do you actually go for maybe the same thing in different ways during a speech to get to get a point across?
1: You got it absolutely. so so I've probably presented the same keynote 350 times now so give or take. And in those 350 shots, I've definitely experimented with different slides, different ways of thinking but now I've a pretty robust standardized way of thinking about that specific keynote. But you're right in the sense that when I create a new one, let's say when I do my storytelling workshop, I reworked that a lot and I'm still reworking that one today because I've probably done that one 75 times, give or take. So I'm still refining that one. But that's the point I'm driving is every time you open a new slot, a new slide deck, you always have to keep refining. You have to keep applying the methodology of listening to your customers, listening to your audience and seeing if they actually understood the idea. But the beauty is, once you get the hang of this, it's going to be much easier for you to take a presentation from zero to hero in a much shorter period of time.
0: So it's uh, you know, one of the things that you know, and you you touched on this is there's a lot of speakers that I've gone and I've listened to, or people that that are teaching, whatever it is. I don't necessarily remember all the stuff they said; very little of the stuff they said. But I do remember key things on how they made me feel. And you you'd mentioned that, and it's like we don't. I don't remember. Th- details, but I remember feelings. Much, much better than, much better than detail. So, you know, what are, if you had, you know, three tips on public speaking, what are the three biggest tips for someone to, to do, uh, to start doing their public speaking? What what are the three things that, that you absolutely, if, if you screw any of these three things up, you're, you're going to die.
1: Right. (laughs) So, so to keep it simple, (laughs) Apply puzzle, right? Start with the edges first, master your intro, your conclusion, dive for the middle. That's one. Number two, apply puzzle to one singular topic and presentation as best as you can. So in your case on, let's say I was coaching you, for you the advice is simple. Make a presentation on your own podcast. What are you trying to achieve with Thinking Big? Who's your core audience? What do you aspire for that audience? Make a presentation out of that because you can use that as promotional material And the beauty is that it's repeatable you can spin it up as many times as you want and after a couple of dozens of times you'll be a master at communicating your own podcast to the world and then number three is have dinner with your audience i'm always astounded whether you're a content creator or a business owner the the lack of awareness and time that people spend actually interacting with the people that already listen to them you know a common question i get is Well, Brendan, how do I get as many subscribers as you on your YouTube channel? How to get thousands of followers? We need to understand that when I ask the question back to them, I go, how many people listen to your podcast? They go, oh, you know, like 50. And I go, okay, how many people do you know in that 50? They go, two. I go, okay. And that's the point I want to drive. The third biggest mistake people make in public speaking is they don't talk enough with their audience. How are you supposed to make an elite level presentation if you don't understand your audience at a level that they don't even understand themselves? That's the secret.
0: Oh, and that is huge. I'm telling you, that that is absolutely huge because <clears throat> most people will – I don't care if you're developing courses, if you're developing speeches – most people will spend all this time <clears throat> developing a speech or developing a, a course without ever talking to their tribe because we think we know what they want. We think we know what they want to hear. We think we know what they want to learn. And – Without going in front of your tribe, without going in front of the people listening to you, I, I will get it wrong every single time. I think I know what they want, but until I go out and talk with them, I, I get it wrong every single time. So that that is absolutely huge. And Brendan, I I really want to thank you for uh, for being on the podcast. And everyone, uh, make sure that you go and I'm going to put this in the show notes. The links are going to be all there. Uh, but go to Master Talks on YouTube. I'm telling you, it is a fantastic channel. Uh, tons and tons of content on everything from public speaking to uh, you. I know you just did one on on like TEDx uh, stuff. So let me ask you. So one question: What is the best way for someone to grow or get onto like a TEDx talk? You know what what is the what is the best thing to do? Right.
1: I would say the general piece of advice with TED is prepare the speech before you get invited for the talk. That's the big thing I would focus on, on my, with my expertise is you need to start thinking about your TED Talk years in advance. Because this, if you start preparing your TED at this when you get invited for it, you won't nail it. You just don't have enough time. Unless you like quit your job and all you do is the TED Talk. The people who actually nail their <laughs> TED Talk have done it hundreds of times, most of them. Not all of them. There's always exceptions to the rule. But the general idea with TED is prepare for TED before TED calls you.
0: Well, again, Brendan, thank you so much for uh, for being on the podcast and Master Talk. People go watch Master Talk. Go watch the videos; they're they're fantastic videos. And I'm telling you, they are. So I see a lot of content on YouTube that's kind of I don't know, not professional, and all of your stuff is extremely professional. It's very good. It's very well done. Uh, so congratulations to that. It's it's uh, I see huge things uh, for that because it is a to me it's one of the most I don't know if it's the most sought after or most underused type of skill set is is the speaking. And so absolutely necessary. So thank you. Thank you for putting that content out. It, it's wonderful content. And again, thank you so much, Brendan, for being on the podcast. Of course,
1: honor was mine, Sean. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thank you everybody for taking the time to listen to the show today. And it means a lot to me and the guests that if you enjoyed listening. Please take a second to rate the show on iTunes. Uh, There's a link in the show notes. Every podcast will tell you that iTunes reviews drives listeners to our shows. So please let me know what your thoughts are and make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast player. Until next week, remember to always think big.